am I going to do? I've watched it so many times and I keep having the same feeling. I think... I think I kind of like Spider-Man 3. But I feel like no one in the world feels the way I do. I just wish I had someone to talk to. What, what, what was that? Is someone there? Remember that part where there's that cool Sandman fight in the subway? So underrated. How about that time Peter dances down the street in his new black suit? So misunderstood! What about when Harry and Peter team up to fight Venom and save Mary Jane? So good. I kinda like Spider-Man 3. I want to talk about it too, Scott. That's why I've been looking for you. Looking? For, for me? Oh yeah. I know all about you. You do? Like what? Like the fact that we've recorded 245 podcasts covering every minute of Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, so if we stop now, it just doesn't seem right to me. Wait, that you, Zach? Look, I want to talk about Spider-Man 3. You want to talk about Spider-Man 3. Together, its bad reputation doesn't stand a chance. Interested? Yeah. But where can people find us? Oh, my spider sense is tingling, if you know what I mean. And it's telling me that they should look for Spider-Man Minute Season 3 on DuelingGenre.com or wherever they get their podcasts this summer. And welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this week, it is our fifth annual Halloween special, which means we're joined, as always, by returning guest, Todd Peterson. Hello. Five years. And producer Andrew's going to be heavily involved in this one, so he's yeah. jumping in right here. Five years is a lot. Yeah. It's something. We started with uh, our Mount Rushmore fear in the first year, and then I think it's been various levels of, of supernatural elevator pitches is basically yeah. what we've done for the last few years after that. If we go three more years, we'll be neck and neck with the Beatles. <laughs> in, in one aspect, sure. In terms yeah. of cultural impact, right? That's what we're talking about? Yes, absolutely. Popularity. Or duration. <laughs> Oh, in, oh, in three years, in the future, someone will do a movie in which everybody forgets our Halloween podcast, except for one dude. I <laughs> <laughs> say, no, guys, it's fantastic. Don't you remember? <laughs> they never did anything with these pitches, but they were good pitches. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, listeners, uh, we've kind of had a different flavor to all of our Halloween specials. And this year... We're bringing in some Dungeons & Dragons dice to help guide our uh, elevator pitches. We have six different categories. So Andrew uh, will be rolling six-sided dice, and uh, and we're going to choose a few of these uh, different categories uh, per pitch. I think we're going to get three different categories. But then within each category, we have 12 options, and Andrew will then roll 12-sided die to set us up with the options. Actually, I'm just going to roll it all at once. They're color-coordinated, but... The principle is yeah. is there. The randomness is going to decide what our pitches are going to be. Now, uh, real quick, I think we should establish if anything rolls duplicates, meaning like the same category were chosen more than once. Are we just going to erase that or are we going to try and make that work? I thought we were just going to take care of that through the magic of editing. But uh... well, that's that's my question. <laughs> I think uh, one of us, Andrew or I, who are next to the dice, will just reach in and, and dra- grab whichever one is duplicated <laughs> and, and re-roll it. We've been doing this for five years. We need a stretch goal. I say we try to make it work. <laughs> just, whatever the dice are, I, that's what we're going to go with. I so mean, we may have two different uh, from the same category. We unless, it. unless it's a an absolute duplicate. Yeah. So if it's you know one and two twice... We can't have the same thing. I think. So, I think. We'll right, it's boring. It's boring. Yeah. But right. it, it, Anton Sugar would say we got to go with the dice. <laughs> We're putting our fate in the hands of the these six sided, yeah. twelve sided objects here. All right, are you guys ready for the first roll? Let's do it. Okay, we're just we're just doing it. There's yeah, no preamble. All right, 
So, uh, first category is the the one. That is our location. Is going to be... Item 11. An off-season amusement park. Okay. Uh, Then, (laughs) option four. This will be a soundtrack that is going to accompany our story. Number eight. Old-timey organ. (laughs) And then... Perfect. Option five, number four. Option number five is uh, style. Uh, And and it was kind of a catch-all. So, this is... (laughs) This one does not work because we have a musical company. It was comic book. Comic book was our style. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So do we make it a comic book movie? Oh, Oh, look at that. Look at that. It's a Broadway musical. (laughs) Old-timey amusement park with with an old-timey or what? An abandoned amusement park. Old-timey Oregon. Broadway Broadway musical. And out of this, we got to build a spooky story. Uh, I just uh, in the, uh, uh, chose to, to undo the comic book one just because uh, we had a soundtrack fair. option. You know, because it's not an audio medium. Yeah. All right. So, guys, let's take a moment. You're going to settle in. It's, it, it's the fall. New Broadway show is premiering. And you go in and you see the, the set is in the style of an, an abandoned or off-season amusement park. And you hear the old-timey prelude music start playing. How, what kind of spooky story are we going to be getting in this situation? Hang on, I'm confused. I thought we were doing... <laughs> point of order. Yeah. I thought we were rolling for all six of these categories. Oh, yeah. uh, oh. we were just going to do three per... And so sometimes we pitch. may have a musical... Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Have, yeah, yeah. So right now, you I'm have sorry. all the options in the world for what makes it spooky as far as like monsters. Yeah, so we, we or... did not get a supernatural creature. We didn't get... A uh, a creative uh, uh, yeah vision voice or uh, and we also didn't get the okay. wild card so these are all these right. are the factors so, from which we're going to build all right so amusement I want to throw out a starting point okay and then we can see where we go it's an off season amusement park and you know what do you need you need ingenue for a musical right so what if we started with two kids who um, during college they worked at this amusement park in the summer. They've come home in for fall break and they said, Hey, let's go back to the amusement park where we work together. Maybe we were starting to like fall in love, but summer was uh, too fast and it was it over. Was, it was a so summer romance, but they were working. <laughs> yeah, they, but they were, yeah, they were working. They were busy. Were they, they, whatever, were they so. having a blast? <laughs> I'm not clear. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But they were like, no, we're, we're back in town. Wouldn't it be cool if we went back to the amusement park and climbed the fence? Or or I still have my old key. Right. Oh, yeah. that you, I still have my old key. That would be great if the boys said, hey, we can climb the fence. And the girl's like, I still have my key. <laughs> I, I just have my key. <laughs> or, there you go. And, or, and then, so, anyways, so that gets you, <laughs> just, that gets that you in there. They're, they're inside the amusement park. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, "Oh, this is so cool and whatever." And then they hear the old timey organ music. Organ music. <laughs> Why is that organ playing? There shouldn't be anyone here. Which ride would have had old timey musical accompaniment? I mean, several of them could have. Is it the is it the tunnel of love? Spooky tunnel. So of I love. think the tunnel of terror. In, in this case, I think they would be in the tunnel of love, thinking everything is shut down when the old timey music kicks on. Like they're already in the tunnel, right. so oh. they can't. They can't. Yes. You know, get, get, you know, quickly, immediately run away. Yeah. And then it it it's like uh, echoes of Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're like, oh, whoa, hey, wait, this is really creepy, and then whatever, and then so now you have this thing going on where, of course, they have to like scooch together. For safety. For safety, yeah, for, for all that stuff. And and then you can really build the tension as they go yeah. around the abandoned amusement park looking for the old-timey organ music. So they're, they're trying to locate the source of the old-timey organ music. Now, I, I think this would like require some, some special casting here to, just to up the spookiness level. Uh, we need to be casting identical twins. We need to have some fun in the Hall of Mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty fantastic a hall of mirrors on stage with twins so is it identical twins or is it like will smith and gemini man and it's just him and, and computers it it it's a musical 
No, I think. I oh, think yeah, I thought we, it mirrors. could be like a La La Land film or I, I the Rocky Horror Picture Show. We thing. could go that uh, route. Yeah, I yeah. Think I, style, well, yeah. In that case, it's it's the Hollywood Hall of Mirrors. But I think that's got some real like impact if it is on stage, and you pull up just all these mirrors, and you make. I that have work. questions. Okay. Uh, well, m- mainly one. Um, what what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> but like what is happening are we talking I like, I like where we've started here I'm having a hard time imagining so like so the, the question for me is like the thing about the thing about an off season amusement park is what like that's the question that I that I think we need to answer here what is it that's spooky about an off season amusement park well it, it's the place of of noise and crowds but and then it's empty. Yeah. It, it's, but it's not fulfilling that function. Like it's yeah, whole it's, purpose and existence is as many people crammed into this doing unhealthy things together <laughs> 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 and to have it completely empty. There's just, I think an instant eeriness to that Yeah, because it's supposed to be packed with hundreds and hundreds of people. And so it's designed to be full. Right. And so it's so empty. Like all the, all the, all the, um, the streets are super wide, so there's space. And then if it's empty, like what's with the, what's with the wide street, guys? Yeah. And then it's, it's- no, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hate this idea. I'm just trying to, just trying to, you know, well, well, there, a little bit. It's got to be something there, more than than an organ is playing, and now yeah. we're, we're yeah, wandering so like, around saying, oh, it's a, it's a or- What is going on here? I mean, okay. the thing that the thing that would terrify me about an off season amusement park would be like. Um, so when you go in the tunnel of terror and there's all of those, uh, like robots, mm-hmm. the, those kinds of things freak me out. The animatronics themselves. Yes. Animatronics really, um, they touch a nerve in me. Not quite the, the same as uh, shapeshifters, but Do moving have, in that direction. Valley of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, like I can picture in my mind, they're like walking along and then there's some kind of animatronic doll looking thing that like turns its head to follow them while they're walking. Yeah. That would be the, they're walking through the mirrors and then one of the reflections doesn't move. That would be the, Oh, yes. that's why you need yeah. the identical twins. Yes. That's why you need the identical twins. Yeah. 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 See, they're mirroring, no, but then they're not all of a sudden when they're, when they're turning around the mirror, you know, the, mirror so the way to build the, the creep is they're like coming through and they're like, Hey, remember how awesome it was last summer? You could do some pretty cool stuff, whether it was film staged or whether it was stage staged, they could go into a place and then there could be like a lighting change. And then all of a sudden, like this particular midway booth, um, which is empty is now full and busy again as they remember it. Like they could be like, mm. Hey, remember that one time the, there was a one guy at the, um, win a teddy bear thing and he just wouldn't leave until he could get this first girlfriend and his girlfriend was really upset that he would just wouldn't back back down or whatever. And they're remembering this scene and they're like, Oh, okay. And then there could be some creepy element to it as they pass on to somewhere else on the midway or some other kind of thing. So you kind of have Um, it filled in with, with the lighting and maybe like some smoke to make it clear. It's like, Oh, this is their memory that they're talking about. So the audience is going, Oh, this is cool. Something creepy. Yeah. And the audience goes, Oh, wait a minute. There's something there. Like Like maybe. So one of the occupants knows that somebody's there and is sort of following them to see what's going on. Yeah. And they're in these spaces with them as it kind of amps up and then it would come to like build, build, build organ music. And they're like, what? And the audience is like, yeah, you dummies, you're all going to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think what, what could work with that I, in either a Broadway staging or in the, uh, like we've done differently, but in the Broadway staging, like you, you bring on the people who are filling in the crowd as it's clearly some, some lighting cue is marking this. This is their memory of this moment. But then uh, as they're walking away, like everything fades away except for like one part of that memory yeah. that wasn't there before like mm-hmm. some aspect of their memory is now out you know and and is going to be stalking them mm-hmm. uh you know and, and in film you could just do the the fade of everything except for the one thing you right. know that something that remains, musical, like a single spotlight or something yeah right and if the musical numbers happened oh, yeah, only when music. the memory is not happening so it's like they have a memory that would be like the standard um non-number part of it and then when they snap back into this other space, the numbers happen 
when the lights go down and the place is empty again. So you can get this kind of spooky kind of thing going on. The Tim Burton-esque kind of feel during the musical the, number. Yeah. Like I was thinking like Tim Burton crashes into like Tom Waits big time. Um, or uh, what is it? Uh, Crimes of Passion. No, that was the Francis Coppola <laughs> one. Um, Crabs of Passion? Crimes. Crimes. Crabs is better. <laughs> Crabs of passion, my goodness. Todd Mack's not going to be able to show his face. <laughs> oh, man. But, but no, but but some some sort of some sort of creepy um, uh, Tom Waitsy sounding thing that would um, be sort of like, oh yes, this is musical, but it's really weird and upsetting. No, I guess the the other question, like just in terms of cracking this story, is there a major antagonist, or is this just some Twilight Zone creepiness? I, well, I'm wondering, like, can it be like a manifestation of? their memories or is like, is that the issue or is, I mean, it'd be easier if we had said carnival because carnies have, have <laughs> right. like a, a creepy history about it, them in film and it's and an media. antagonist. If it's the carnies, yeah, <laughs> a little, a little prejudice there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But it's in the, it's in the media. It's ever since I read X-Men number 11, when the X-Men <laughs> lost to a group of carnies, which is a true, X-Men comic. What I'm wondering, if, so this says off-season amusement park. Um, it, it, is that, and somebody mentioned earlier, abandoned amusement park. We're, we're going off-season here, or are we going abandoned? Because I abandoned, I think an abandoned amusement, amusement park, um, I mean, there's there could be some initial questions about why is this amusement park abandoned? Is because something happened? But they had something. to have worked there over the summer. Yeah, so they work there over the summer, and they're and like, they, while they were gone, it it, it closed down. And they're like, what's up with this? And if yeah, it's or, in one of those kind of seasonal towns that they have a lot, like Upper Northeast, um, Connecticut, etc., where it's like, yeah, everybody kind of blows out of the city. They go to these towns. There's this amusement park. Now the town's empty. The park is empty. It's just this kind of weird wet leaves. Um, rainy kind of place to be then it, i think you'd have the whole tone set okay yeah I think and, we're and an amusement park is great because all those yeah, we, I, I feel like we've got tone <laughs> so well, i, mean, I think that fit? i think that there's a dude that they worked with who was like the crazy old man who like fixed all the stuff and he was always grouchy at everybody and what if he's the dude who's walking around who's like I have to put up with all your garbage over the summer when everybody's here um, with their cotton candy and their whatever and their hickeys and walking around and he's mad. <laughs> and then now they're back I'm in his imagine. space. <laughs> and, now, and, and so now he's mad. And yeah. And these two are back and they're talking about their memories and he wants them out. So he's going to spook them or kill them or. Or so is if there it's at Scooby Doo level, yeah, there like is a Scooby Doo level with a robot that was supposed right. to be running the park. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it could just be some low key thing. Like I don't know, he's writing a novel and he just doesn't like to be interrupted. There is, it could be all the way where he's got a whole like line of bodies that he is like disassembling and reassembling into new people and. You know, it could go like those. I think would be the extreme. Real creepy. <laughs> that's, that's okay, I just had a, I just had a really scary thought. Go. Um, the animatronic. So you know, you know the movie M. Yes. Oh yeah. Have you guys seen? You guys have seen M, right? Yeah, but for for anyone who's not, Peter Lorre is the first uh, Fritz Lang. Lang. Okay, yeah. so M is this uh, this Fritz Lang film um, about a man who abducts children, and the 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 horrifying thing about it is you see these scenes where he's um, you know like buying a balloon for the girl, and then they kind of walk off together. So I'm wondering if uh, as they're walking through this, I don't even want to say this. 
so they're <laughs> they're walking through the 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 amusement park and they're oh do you remember this do you remember that and they have um their memories and these actors come on and it's smoky and stuff but as that's happening and they're remembering their interactions with people we see creepy mechanical man like cutting cutting people out of the herd yeah and so if you're not paying attention to it on stage you don't notice but he's he's culling someone in every memory a little bit of the rorschach every memory where yeah like throughout the whole comic book he's there but you don't realize he's Mm -hmm. there in a lot of it and then and as the thing goes on you start to realize what you're seeing and then you want to go back and watch it again because you didn't realize in the first three memories that he was probably there and that there was probably something going on right and then I don't know. This this escalates and turns into. I mean, I don't know what. Okay, I think you've nailed it, Todd. I think. Uh, yeah. uh, I, th- I think that's enough. <laughs> yes. uh, the, young, the young couple can be the ones who stop it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think or maybe they to... realize. I mean, may- maybe there's something in their memories as as their memories so uh, it shut down. It. it was shut down because there were people disappearing. That's why it got shut down. And yeah. And then they start remembering. They're 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 Nancy Drewing and they're, Hardy Boy Boysing this. They're like, I remember something. I just got to go see check one thing. That's the opening, you know. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was. They wouldn't remember it until they started like opening up their memories, and that's like right. the act break. Is mm-hmm. they're like, hey, thinking about that memory, I think they shut this down because people were disappearing. Right? <laughs> I think I saw something. Yeah. And then they're digging through other memories and it's, and it's like greater intensity. Like what is going on? Can we figure this out? And it switches at the act break, not a ton of songs that we've built into this musical. That's but, right. Yeah. We got the creepy but, organ music at test. But this is some, mood some good stage stuff. <laughs> we'll get the I, I book really like the hall of mirrors where somebody stays still. I mean, Andrew, if you're ready to give us what the, you know, the big, I want number from the, <laughs> from act one. If, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what if it starts out and like for half of Act One, it does seem just like teens are going like to go recapture their summer romance, walk down memory lane. Yeah, and it's pretty peppy, and you and you don't have any creepy notes until halfway through the act. Ah, uh, then it goes to a minor key and it's over. Yeah, and and then yeah, like at the act break, they're realizing it's like I think something's up. I, I feel like I remember something. Why did they shut this place down? It's like, oh, people were disappearing. And then all the audience starts <laughs> thinking through. I forgot that detail. People were disappearing. <laughs> or well, one of them looks it up on their phone or something. It's like, oh, people started, di- people were disappearing. There were 10 disappearances. And then the audience starts like thinking back through the memories. Like, did I notice anything? Yeah, I think, I think we've, I think we're onto something here. Yeah, I'm I'm scared enough that I don't really want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we've hit that note. All right, you guys ready for round two? Let's let's roll them. Let's see what we're given. All right, so uh, pirate ship, category, pirate ship, pirate ship. Category two: supernatural something or other. Number five: we're gonna have a witch in this story. Oh, All right, categ- I like witches. Category four: still in the soundtrack. Number nine: it's gonna be a string quartet. <laughs> category three. <laughs> Uh, a, a creative voice. Number eight. We're going to have Darwin Cook. The style of Darwin Cook. Which I think, he's a, he's a comic artist, but we can make this but, work. Well, yeah, he has a very, like, um, Silver Age it, aesthetic, right? It's it, not it, Golden Age for him. It's really Silver Age. It, it's it? a mix of modern, but it's evocative of an earlier era. Right. So I think as long as we're going with that kind of simultaneously feels a little timeless, but also makes you think of something from, from an earlier period in terms of the tone that we reach, I think we're going to be hitting Darwin Cook. Okay. And so, string quartet, a witch. And a witch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I so, just I just googled um, Darwin Cook images. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he's a, a a basketball player from the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> not not that Darwin Cook. <laughs> but we can put basketball um, in if you want. He uh, he passed uh, away a few years ago from uh, from cancer. It was a big loss for the comics community because his. His stuff was like universally beloved, mm-hmm. and so you'll want uh, to do cook with an e, cook with Dar- an e, Darwin W Y N C W O K E. Got yes. it. Oh, okay. E has um, drawn one of my favorite comics pictures of all time. It's Batman, totally, totally tuckered out. And I was, was going to um, say it's the Batman one, isn't it? And and Alfred, um, 
just sort of caring for him. Yeah, just tucking him in in a chair. It's oh, good. I, I want I like a poster that. of that. It's so wonderful. It's like the greatest thing. Um, that's awesome. Okay, all right, I'm on. Right, I'm so, on board. Yeah, it's got to evoke an earlier time um, in like a pretty positive light. Generally, it's like not it's it's not cynical about the earlier time, and it's not postmodern about it. It's just like this this is a way things were, and we want to kind of feed that. And now bit. we need to add in a string quartet and some witches to that feeling. <laughs> Or at least a of witches. <laughs> the rules do not specify. I did not expect soundtrack to come up so often as we rolled the dice. <laughs> yeah, you I'm know, kind what of six cents. I feel like this is did is this a Terry Pratchett novel already? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it should be. I w- I would vote just as a as a opening move that it sh- that the witch should either be in the string quartet or there should be a, a string quartet of witches. No, I've got it. The witch's desire is to be in a string quartet. That That's she exactly what I was just going to say. I think with, with Darwin oh. Cook, this has to be like a good witch kind of situation. This is a a like late teenage girl who discovers she has witch's powers and has to like navigate the world with but them. She has now. natural talent from magic, but does not want that. She wants musical talent. I want music. That's where the real magic is. Oh, I was thinking like like a green skinned, huge nosed hag, and she all she wants is to be in like a super fancy string quartet where they, you know, where they wear the, no, like the black this. dresses and the. Oh, okay. I like this version too. I, 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 I've <laughs> heard nothing bad out of anyone's the- mouth. <laughs> and so, what if what if the the ugly green witch is actually really deeply sensitive and a wonderful musician, but she has to face the um, prejudice of the world of saying, well, nobody wants an ugly green witch in a string quartet. And they're like, but you have to listen to her play. Yeah. I feel like the, I feel like the witch, the witchiness of this is really not the story. The story is mm-hmm. uh, like inside string quartet baseball. It's a, it's a mean girls, <laughs> right? Yes. It's a- in, in string quartet world. In the string quartet world, and this witch comes along, and she's a phenomenal musician. Mm. And I, I think we could pitch inside string quartet baseball. Done. <laughs> like, well, like I mean, of course, there would be more to it, but I think we could get in the door and get a, a pitch meeting so on on that sense. Think, hey, we want to do think... this thing. It's inside string quartet baseball. Boom. Tell me more. Oh, and one of the characters is a witch. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the you have witch. to like dig into like, well, here's the thing about a string quartet is you need four people. So she's got to get three other people to accept her <laughs> to play. Or eliminate one. one. <laughs> <laughs> or, or find a, a quintet <laughs> and clear things up a little bit. <laughs> no, uh, one. I was thinking, I was thinking about, something uh, were to happen <laughs> to your first violin. <laughs> right. Five musicians, one quartet. <laughs> so I was thinking about. Uh, remember when we we read the Rook, and um, is her name Miffany? Uh, yes. And she actually has a legitimate superpower, but her real superpower is um, her organizational skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I feel like there's something there. So the witch really does have potions and spells and cauldrons and a broom. She actually can do all of that stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe she regularly does, but really her true superpower is her ability to play the violin. Mm -hmm. And what if the quartet is one of these ones and they're like, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And they're like, if we get, if we bring the witch on, maybe she can like stab the pins into the doll when they're Wait, in the guys, music guys, competition. Guys, is there a big competition in the final act? Yeah, there's got to be some sort of <laughs> competition. Yeah, and so the, the witch wants to be like, showdown. we can win because I'm a really good musician. And they're like, we can win because you will cast spells because and get rid of our competition. he's a witch. <laughs> right. And she's got like to this. convince them that that's not what it's all about. And they can just play the music good. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with this. Okay. Amy Adams could be the um, green witch. 
Oh, that's a good choice. <laughs> that's a great choice. All right. I think this one's, uh, you know, pretty much baked. <laughs> uh, right? Everyone agree on that? <clears throat> yes. Okay. I want a, I want a round that doesn't focus on the... If music shows up in this one, we're going to... Uh, we're going to adjust will tip it. that dice one more time. <laughs> All right. Tell them to okay. look it up. Um, round two. It's a supernatural something or other. Uh, number two. Oh, it's going to be a vampire. Oh, uh, good. Round uh, two. Number eight. Uh, that is also, so we're also going to have a wolfman, a wolfman and a vampire. All right. Um, level six. And that's a wild card, I think. Yeah. Uh, number 10. One character. (laughs) (laughs) Who wrote this one? (laughs) One character is always eating something that foreshadows the next major moment of the story. (laughs) I I wrote that. I was thinking about Ocean's Eleven. (laughs) I was gonna say that. Hey, it's the Brad Pitt character. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I think okay, this, so I, think the guys, I think the vampires can be eating blood in one of the scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys listen, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. So speaking of Brad Pitt and uh Christopher Nolan, what if we did a, a memento thing where this story actually um takes place in reverse? Isn't that what happens in Memento? Does that is, uh, is that the like that? Yeah, uh-huh. it's more. So it it's, happens. Well, no, that one is the uh, he relives the day with no memories, right? But he keeps writing things down, yes. and so I think you're moving yeah. back and back and back. But it alternates okay. between moving forward and moving backward. Anyway, I just think uh, that if we if we or or the other one I was thinking was like Benjamin Button, where uh, things <laughs> things go backwards, but but um, then the thing that they're eating would actually foreshadow the next thing that's going to happen, right? So, <laughs> because it's it's a scene going backwards. Before. <laughs> they're they're standing over a corpse, and then it comes back a scene, and there's someone alive in the room. You're like, oh boy, I know what happens to that. <laughs> Yeah, so vampire's like wiping blood off his chin, and then the next scene is like, you know, a girl in her car driving home at late at night or something like that, right? And, just, and so we don't show any of the violence. You're just like, oh. <laughs> anyway, maybe that's dumb, but that was the first thing. <laughs> well, what if it's what each in a vampire and a werewolf, they can be turned into a vampire or a werewolf. By being bitten by either a vampire or a werewolf. Mm-hmm. Surely, most, there are stories out there of a hybrid werewolf, also vampire. Oh yeah, <laughs> those that must exist. I right? think that's in the Underworld series. Oh, <laughs> that's is, that's sure. the thing that brought uh, the uh, whole Twilight thing uh, over, right? Because all oh, the all the vampires from Forks versus all the don't even world. get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> so mad still about the ending of that series. You so you never covered Twilight while you were co-host. If you need to come back and work oh out, gosh. Some, no kidding. Some, some feelings. Um, no, so, I am not kidding. I hate. I. Okay, I, I was so mad at the end of those books. Okay. So, so, so what, what if by if, the end of the movie, okay. the vampire is not a vampire and the Wolfman is not a Wolfman? Because it's going been, in reverse. They've both been bitten by each other. Oh, no, they both had not yet been turned. Right, so it's weird. So, yeah. The, oh, we're so still the, going in reverse. The alternate I was thinking of, instead of going in reverse, is we're actually shifting character perspective. Every time there's an attack, we then switch to the victims as they become a werewolf and vampire and how they deal with it, and then the next one down, and the next one down, and the next one down. And we actually find out where vampires come from. A question my or are six-year-old daughter, like, like years ago, my, my daughter, when she's like six, like what, late, like, what came up? Like, Daddy, if you become a vampire by getting bitten by one. Who was the first vampire? Who was the first vampire? Like, go to bed. Go to bed. Let's see right now. Okay, so, so it is in reverse. But we're going Patient back, zero. Back, back. And so every time, the so, so if we're starting and we see, you know, a vampire and a werewolf attack people and turn them then we bounce back to when the, like what led up to them being turned yeah initially. i like this and guys. we bounce back to how they got turned and they All got right. turned and for some reason this particular set of vampire and werewolf are not permitted to be apart <laughs> after they've been turned they're somehow locked together <laughs> they're like the sith there's a master and an apprentice there's always two Would you say that one has imprinted on the other possibly <laughs> 
So what if this is what what if this is a family like like the Adams family where there's a vampire side of the family and a wolfman side of the family and they're going over the family tree? Oh, this is a, this oh, is a genealogy a story. Lesson. You know, I bet we could get Ancestry.com to fund this guy, and then we go back. Yes, yeah, so, so you <laughs> I mean, know, instead of like a family tree, it's just like it's their monster family tree, and so it's their path of monsterhood. Vamp- yeah, yeah, vampire and werewolfhood and ism. <laughs> so was 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 um, uh, Papa a vampire or werewolf? That's really complicated. Let's let's tell the story, right? And it could be. <laughs> You know, we could go back and you could do there. Maybe they're making an apple pie or something or like a heart meat pie or something like that. Oh, man. And, um, and, and it just goes back through that thing. And then they're like, oh, well, okay, that's cool. This is how this relationship was there. And then it could be one of those things that happens all over Utah, which is you get, you get a couple generations back and then it's like, oh, well, they were cousins, but nobody really worried about that. <laughs> And so we're just going back in history. And so it's a bunch of little vignettes of all this stuff going back and back and back until the first vampire and werewolf simultaneously are brothers. And I mean, are we going to answer that question or are we just going to wrap it up at some point? Yeah. Like, is it coming out of some like, whoops, demon summoning, (laughs) (laughs) you know, twisted each of them in a different way or, you know, yeah. Well, if it was a family history story, then somebody could be like, well, oh, so act two would go through all this stuff and it would end with, well, we just don't know. And then act or, three could be the, oh, I just found out. Guys, guys, I got it. So we, we did uh, the great romantic comedy, Ali's Wedding, in which some people, uh, it, it was a Muslim set romantic comedy, but some people were always talking about like, well, we're descended from the prophet. And in Mormon culture, you often have the, well, no, we're descended from pioneers. This, yeah. this, these families claim they're from the first, the first vampires or well, the I first mean, werewolves. And they're trying to prove. Eventually, yes. you have to be, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, or do they find out it's like, no. they are actually the second set of spontaneously yes, generated yeah, yeah, vampire no, like, like the family lore is that they are the prime stock of vampire or whatever it is. And and in doing this research, they're going to find out, oh no. Oh no, we're we're the secondary. We're actually not in the Daughters of the American Revolution. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, they're like following back. It's like, yeah, and and, I mean, there's one original original vampire (laughs) sire of everyone, you know, like Adam or Moses or or whatever, when you theoretically trace your your line through Charlemagne and you get back there. Yeah, it's like, you know, great, 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 great grandpappy was the first. And then like the kids like, "Uh, this timeline doesn't line up. (laughs) (laughs) So they're tracing it. is that this actually happened to me in real life? <laughs> you found out. My, that family, was, yeah, my like family has told stories about uh, about one of our ancestors for a very long time, um, and there was this question: like, are we really related to this person? And the answer the answer that I was always told when I was a kid was, yes. Well, we assume that we are, but we're not really sure because you know, during the civil war, some records were burned or something like that. So we can't really prove it, but we're pretty sure. And a few years ago, I sat down and said, I'm going to try and figure this out. And I found out that we, so the, the Max are not related <laughs> to, to that famous, uh, ancestor. The, that you thought. the first Mac, the first Mac was like some guy that came across on a, on a boat of criminals and like, <laughs> Changed his name, changed his, you know, some Scottish guy, and they're like, "What's your name?" And he goes, "John." And they said, "John what?" And he goes, "Mac." <laughs> okay. I I think this. And is then good. he like. <laughs> so anyway. So what if this is like the um, the two flashes? And so it's like there's an original like core source vampire, and they all thought they came from them, but they actually turned from some copycat alchemist who loved <laughs> yeah. vampires so much that he like like second flash and then recreated the experiment and then Wait, became like sort of like a, from fanboy <laughs> yeah exactly this you're the you're the fan fiction vampire and maybe those kinds of vampires are not as awesome as original source vampires like mm. you can kind of see them in a mirror <laughs> or instead of being able to turn into a whole bunch of bats, they can just turn into one bat. <laughs> yeah. And the werewolf was always told he was just a mutt. 
and but then discovers oh wait i'm purebred i go like i am pure i am pure my line goes straight back (laughs) that is all this kind of thing so maybe the arc of the story is these for this vampire and these wolfmen when they learn that they are not purebred vampire or werewolf end up on a park bench together and are able to talk this through I like it. And, and in the end, it's like, well, it doesn't matter where you come from. It matters what you do. Yeah. It's, it's our choices that define us. And then, Mary. And then so this isn't a musical, but that could be the, the climax number. Yeah. And, and they're like, you're right. So we can't just be monsters. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Ready for the next round? And then the sun like comes it. up. <laughs> and it's over. And, and then there's people. That, well, and then there's a person and a pile of ash. Yeah, yeah, there's a pile of ash and a naked dude. <laughs> awesome. All right, we're moving on. All right. Um, well, we're not doing this. <laughs> Category four, which is music on three dice. All three came up number four there. So, so that's not we're re-rolling that. Okay. All right. So number one, that is our location twelve. This is going to be a generic pre-industrial revolution fantasy setting. Okay. Uh, number two. That is a supernatural something or other. Five. We're going to have... Oh, we already had a witch. Do that one again. All All right. Right. Let's get a different... Uh, three. Uh, we're going to have a shapeshifter. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> and category five. This is going to be the style. Uh, Eleven. We're going to have a prestige miniseries. Oh, Okay, so, so 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 one of your streaming services or or HBO or someone pouring we, in million like big budget dollars okay, into like, a miniseries. Didn't Amazon just make Carnival Row, which is like <laughs> this, but fairies and not shapeshifters? Well, we got shapeshifters yeah. this time in a generic pre-industrial revolution fantasy setting. <laughs> now, so, is, so it, is it have to be pre-industrial, or could it be sort of like it only seems like it's pre-industrial, like sort um, of Shannara or Adventure Time or something? I think I think that's fine. Yeah, I think I just wanted okay. to avoid steampunk by, by marking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so it couldn't be like right. post society. Yeah. So it could be like it could be like compost punk. <laughs> I don't know go. what that is, but that's our new thing. <laughs> I'm jotting that down for because they do it all by the technology. Like you know, they get steampunk, they got like a diesel punk, they got like a transistor punk, and then uh, compost punk. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. So, so it's um, shapeshifters or shapeshifter. Yeah. In a in a, a a small town, you know the I mean, all huts we, and thatched roof. W- are we going to go with just like absolute paranoia? John Carpenter's the thing. Isolated place. Shapeshifter. Who's who? Can you trust anybody? Picking us off one by one. I hate shapeshifters so much. <laughs> I think Todd gets to choose <laughs> how we're approaching this shapeshifter story. Uh, no, we need yeah. we need to use Todd. What is the worst about shapeshifters? The thing about shapeshifters is that the person that you love and trust the very most could just at any second stab you in the heart or the back. You don't know, and you can't trust so anybody. Have, to have one of each of those in in these episodes. What a, a stab! Yeah, a stabbing stab- in the heart, a stabbing in the back. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, that that terrifies me. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that you like once the idea of a shapeshifter comes into being, then all trust goes out the window. You can't trust anybody. And that's exactly what so, we need for this series. What if it's everybody was a. People. I, I what if everybody was a shapeshifter? Five, five episode <laughs> miniseries. What if everybody was a shapeshifter but one person? Is everybody replaced with a shapeshifter or have they always been? Well, or is yeah, what is it? Wake up with new, a new crowd around right. them. Because they've all shapeshifted in the night. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. This is the person, he's, he's doing the reverse. So it's a community of shapeshifters who are being terrorized by the one person who is not a shapeshifter. Right. They still can't so maybe know the- who it is because everyone is a shapeshifter. Everyone could be anyone. Right. So this person, what if the, what if in order to terrorize this person that they, they know what they're doing. 
So the person who doesn't change actually does subtle, like variations in their performance of themselves. Yeah, he's mimicking them through his performance instead of his form. Right, and And so he starts. Yeah. All right, I've got a different track based on something that was said triggered and it's going in a slight order but it's, it's the the child with the powers that they can't control that they don't even realize they're doing it are shape-shifting everyone around them <laughs> constantly and so but we set we open up thinking this child is being tortured somehow because everyone is constantly trying changing to, uh, and... or, or trying to attack this child in some way uh but but oh, then we come yeah. to learn the child is the monster but the child doesn't even know it so it's like an innocent monster like they're just so this is like grad school language. Instead of a shape shifter, it's the shape shifted. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Todd, does, what, that, what do you does that make you even worse, Todd Mac? So I'm trying to wrap my brain around this. So, <clears throat> I mean, I'm still – part of my mind is still stuck like uh, about two minutes ago where we were living in a society where every single person is a shape shifter. <laughs> <laughs> Except for you, Todd. Except for you. Except for me. Well, I'm trying to think of like, what would you do? Like, what would it be like to live in a society like that? Well, you have to learn everything that makes them them that has nothing to do with their actual form. It's all about how they behave, how they speak, how they move. And if you mimic that, then everyone thinks you're that person. I don't know. Like, I'm... I'm intrigued by this idea, but I'm having a hard time visualizing it. I'm not sure what we're saying. Like, what is, what is the, what, you know, what is gained by this twist besides just a quick elevator pitch of everyone's a shapeshifter? Except well, I, for one person. Because it seems like, I mean, if everybody's a shapeshifter except for one person, then you just, I mean, why would anybody change into that person? Well, because they don't <laughs> right? know. They don't know that that one person can't change. They don't mimicking other people. So they think that everyone else is. So he's mimicking their, their movements and stuff. And everyone's like, Oh, well I could use that form whenever I want because someone else was using that form. I'm getting lost at who is mimicking who the person who can't shift. He's like, he's impersonating them through his movements and tone. And so everyone does keep mimicking that same form occasionally. And so they can't, why I'm not, and so they can't trust yeah. now, now all the shapeshifters can't trust each other. This relies on them not being able to shapeshift in front of each other. I think this relies on this is like scary. This is like scary sneeches. The Starbelly sneeches. <laughs> yeah, scary sneeches. <laughs> right, like if there was a if there was a culture that could uh for which their physical form wasn't fixed and people could kind of, whether they did this on purpose or whether they didn't do it on purpose or whatever, the norm would be the differences. And if somebody came in and is like, Oh man, I'm going to be found out to be not really like from this place. If I can't do something. And so he does this thing to say, I'm going to suggest that I'm changing whatever, just to sort of fly under the radar. And then they're like, well, we're all going to be, it's all going to be messed up. But I don't know. I like the kid. I like the baby that is shape-shifting people. That seems it, like the scary, the, the very scariest thing. Like, at like any to moment in time. Like the, to become not you. Right. And this, and this child could do this at, so, so imagine there was like a, a three-year-old and they just discover that this three-year-old is able to shift other people's shapes. Yeah. What do you do with that three-year-old? Yeah. And, and like there's in the twi- a non-defined the pre-industrial society. Yeah. There's a, a twilight zone with the kid who is like cognizant enough that he uses this to like manipulate everyone. I, I, I think it's more terrifying when it's like just completely out of control. So, <laughs> like, so like, act one, act one, it's like that. Then the kid's eight. And then the kid's 14. Hey guys, I, I'm going to tell you something that's real creepy. So this kid does this unintentionally, right? No, no control when they're an infant. Yeah. But then you get, you know, the, the typical three-year-old thing. Where's my mom? Everyone you, in town you, is their mom. <laughs> you don't look like my mom. Or, or, yeah, so either everyone in town now looks like their mom or no one in town looks like their mom. And someone's trying to tell them, but they look like a stranger. And that kid is terrified by this. 
And they have like, to convince the kid to reset everybody. Yeah. Like, so okay, this is like the first episode baby. where it's like, okay, we need to figure this out. We need to get the kid to trust us. And yeah, this isn't like the scientists are coming to town. This is the age of witchcraft. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, so, so there's very different cultural reactions to this. And uh, so if it's, let's say it's a six episode miniseries. Like the, the context is set in episode one. And then you got three episodes to show the variations of this problem. The fifth episode is this creates a crisis. And the sixth episode is resolution of the crisis. Mm -hmm. And and the child is now conquering hero somehow. Right. Like maybe. And and so it's no fun if it's just like this is weird. Or or, de- or sometimes dead. Yeah, the, or, or, or some sort of con- conquering hero or dead or like sacrifices or, like, themselves or, or does the, does we the can't child get like- rid of the kid. What if the argument among the people is we can't get rid of the kid because this if the kid's showing some ability to control it, what if the kid could create turn all of our warriors into super warriors? Right, but but we and all have the- to sit through. Now he's a, a kitty. Or. <laughs> Um, well, and you Until, also like because it's too it's too valuable, but it's just not useful yet. But then you also have a, a tough point where it's like, okay, what if we try to kill the kid, and the kid just turns us all into duplicates of the kid? Ooh, oh, like yeah. wishing for point, one of the episodes, Yeah, that has it's, to be like they're, they're going to try to attack. There, him. There's someone who's been pushing the whole time. Like, we and just he says, go. "Is like okay, fine. Everyone is me." Oh, oh, wait. Uh, okay. There's been the one person who's been pushing the whole time. We got to kill the kid. We got to kill the kid. It, it becomes too dangerous. Like he's going to yeah. do something, and and then we won't be able to trust each other. And then the kid kills that person's like spouse into the kid, like like that that, and they they kill their own spouse. <laughs> where I'm heading with this? Oh, because because the spouse got shape shifted into the kid's form. Mm-hmm. The kid sensed so the danger the, coming. The physical violence would be one thing, but I want to get it into mess up Todd Max head territory. <laughs> Some more and say, what if the kids start? We may have hit that point. <laughs> so, so there's this really obvious stuff, but I think the really scary underlayer could be when the kid starts shifting people's shapes to mess with heads. I feel like there's two things going on. I I like I like where you're headed with that, and I also think that this. It seems to me that in a pre-industrial fantasy situation. <laughs> where a child starts exhibiting this kind of power, I feel like more than one person is going to want to kill that kid. I, I think that's fact, why the kid turns all of them that, into him. I suspect that pretty much everybody wants to kill this kid, except for maybe one person. And so then it becomes... The one that wants to kill. There's the one that wants to protect. Right. So, so there's, you know, somebody is trying to, so they're, they're like on the lamb, right? They're, they're on the run. Everybody's chasing them, trying to kill them. The kid is causing all kinds of mayhem everywhere he goes. And this one person that's trying to, is trying to protect the kid, uh, from, from people that want to kill him, but also trying to help the kid to master his ability to do this. And I mean, I think that there's, uh, I think there's something there i mean I, that, that actually sounds like a legitimately interesting story to me all right i think we've cracked it a few different ways yeah there's and, some options. Uh, should we, we got time for one more one more Let, this will be the last I think, one i think this is it all right category one this is our uh, location number nine that is uh university dorms <laughs> That's what we university do. dorms university okay. dorms <laughs> what's category three uh, that is our creative voice. Okay, we've got two of those, so I got to re-roll one. Uh, what's category two? That is our supernatural something or other. All right, what's number seven? Uh, black lagoon. <laughs> a black lagoon creature. Yeah, creature for the black lagoon. All right, and then uh, category three. That's our creative voice. Number two. <laughs> okay, this uh, it's Tom Hooper, guys, the guy who's directing the uh, the cats movie that terrified everyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's gonna be a CGI bodysuit for the creature. <laughs> it's just gonna be it's a scale leotard essentially yeah <laughs> so uh university dorms creature from the black lagoon tom hooper directing okay what what else is tom hooper's stuff uh 
besides uh, cats, he's done a couple things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, well, he did the Les Mis, right? I think he's done a Was lot of him? the the adaptations. Uh, adaptations. Let me pull up his IMDb real quick. So, Black Lagoon, Dorms. I think we Ooh, should. He's we doing should... his Dark Materials. Oh, interesting. Uh, the King um, Speech. King Speech, yeah. Okay, so kind of prestige. John, he's done a bunch of TV. Yeah, I think he started TV before jumping over. Um, So do we want this to be like straightforward horror film terror? Or, oh, we did the, yeah, the John Adams miniseries was him. And okay. What what do you guys want? This this was starting to feel like the, um, what was the, like the college version of uh, um, that Guillermo del Toro film? Shape of Water. Uh, shape of Water. Shape of oh, Water. I, like, I think yeah. we should not go that way. That's I've been done. I, th- I thought you were going to say Monsters University, where everyone in the <laughs> university dorm is a monster. <laughs> but that what if what if there was a Monsters <laughs> University? <laughs> but what if there was a, a a creature from the Black Lagoon that was really actually pretty smart? Like they found him. This is pretty smart. It's like okay, well, the best thing that we figured out is. It's probably time for this monster to go to college and really, really get a chance to see where they go. Yeah. And it's like nobody guys. wants to. How blood. about nobody wants to be this creature's roommate except for like one lonesome, nerdy, weird dude? And it's like and guys, that you guy's don't understand. The <laughs> right. And that's the actual that, predator that, on campus. No, no, it's a cool guy, and he's a predator. Oh yeah, and he's like, this guy's going to totally help me pick up chicks but he doesn't realize that wait he's a terrible <laughs> who's guy. thinking that the, the, i got lost on who is thinking <laughs> what here the uh the black lagoon creature he's like, i gotta be honest any version sounds all right i can buy it <laughs> like, I, I really need some help you may have noticed i'm green and scaly <laughs> so it's not the most appealing but i am a black lagoon creature i am interested in women <laughs> That is one thing we talk about creatures with a black lagoon. <laughs> they, they go for the women. <laughs> what if what if he 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 could be like in the shape of water, like really sensitive and really kind of wonderful, but because his roommate is terrible, he's learning terrible things. Yeah. And it's like we oh, have to, it's we have to start off. monsterhood is a learned behavior. No, yeah, it's that is that monsterhood first is a learned behavior. Just, um, is this wicked? <laughs> I think we just I think we just created the story of Wicked. <laughs> it's a different time. Well, it's, no, wait, never mind. It's college wicked. <laughs> it's college wicked. <laughs> but imagine there could be a scene where there is like um uh, the good girlfriend. No, 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 wait, no, no. <laughs> the, the the good girl that goes, Look, you can't hang out with that dude, right? He's the worst. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, but he's teaching me all this stuff, and now I'm popular, and and, and, and like, uh, and he has such, like he's so popular, he's teaching me how to be popular. But popular. Like, it's all that terror. <laughs> dang it, dang it! <laughs> I don't understand land culture. He's teaching me land culture. Well, there could be a great scene that's kind of like it's, it's the a classic fish out of water story. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like you know the the um, Tobey Maguire. Um, Funk, well, funky walking through town because he's got the black suit. Yeah. What Spider-Man if? What if? Everyone. Right, right. So, so what if the creature from Black Lagoon is like first act? Oh man, he just he can't really connect. He gets this new roommate. Roommate shows him all the stuff. Next thing you know, he's wearing yeah, like his, his roommate is the fonts. Yeah, the fonts. Yes. But, but and he's then so now he's like, wearing his sweatshirt. Like, no yes, and and like predatory masculine behaviors. So he doesn't wear clothes because he's the creature from Black Lagoon. But he he starts wearing a sweatshirt tied around his his uh, shoulders. <laughs> he's, it's a preppy. We've left Fonz yeah. and now added full full preppy here. And so everybody's like, "Hey, now he's cool," and he's like pointing at people and everything, and they're like, "Oh, it's Mean Girls." <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, and, but then before the final act, he has to like realize he's like. I mean, I'm following all his advice and yeah, it's working, but I don't like it. And then somehow he has to learn. It's like, Oh, this guy's being a monster. Like this is predatory behavior. This is bad. 
Uh, the monster so he could go to a, was inside of all of us all along. Yes. <laughs> the last he, he could be at a party with his super cool roommate and see a super cool roommate like being a monster and be like, I have to make a choice between continuing to feel cool or stop this guy because yeah. and I have him. razor sharp claws yeah. and I'm very and strong. He actually attacks him and then he has to leave. <laughs> Vigilante justice. Did right. Not work so out. he does You're something. He stops oh, it. Oh, oh, I just rolled, and, and it came up Mean Girls, uh, <laughs> Wicked, and, and, and Batman. It was a very odd combination <laughs> here. Uh, let's see if we can work this out. <laughs> but like, but then, do, but then do they try to attack him because he's a monster that just like slashed up the popular guy? Right. It would have to end with him being run off, and then he just kind of. Uh, disappears. Yeah, it's the Dark Knight. Then, <laughs> so we, yeah, we ended with the Dark Knight. <laughs> the hero he is the monster. monster. <laughs> he, no, he's no, the monster. He runs off into the night. They need it, but not the one they deserve. I can never remember how that line goes. <laughs> he so so no 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 he he runs off into the night away from the party and dis, and makes his way to an off season amusement park. Circle. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, that kind of just creeped me out. But <laughs> that's that's the body of water he's going to live in. <laughs> well, the, I the, feel like the tunnel of love. <laughs> he's he's living in the tunnel of love. Oh man, <laughs> I kind of want the black lagoon creature to like find somebody to love, though. You know, somebody that's not that's not a, a mean girl, but that's like a a nice girl. You know, like well, he had that- the friend who was like, "No, that guy really is a jerk," and who warned him. Yeah, but he didn't listen to her. He's got to reconcile that at some point, right? Yeah, I mean, I just, I kind of want comedy, not not tragedy after, you know, stuff. Uh, this is our Halloween special. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> you, do you remember what's on your Mount Rushmore of fear? Nothing funny. Todd, Todd, the, the, the Christmas Hallmark special is coming up in a couple months. We'll be back on for that one. Okay, okay. If you want to rewrite this into a, a, a funny holiday movie with the creature from the Black Lagoon? No, it's okay. You're, it's you're open to that. No, we I'm have just... to remember that, that the monster's social function, cultural function, is to reveal to us anxiety and fear. All right, guys. Uh, real quick. I was just glancing through the list of some of the things that we didn't get to use. We Okay, just to point out. Hold on. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were 12 in every one of these categories. Uh, for casting for this one, we could have had uh, Tom Holland and J- Jamila DeMille. <laughs> So he could be the creature from the Black Lagoon and Todd, that nice girl you want. Is, you want is Jamila Jamil? Yes. yes. That was one of the, the, the uh, creative voices options that we had that we didn't okay. get uh, coming up. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the idea of him sneaking off to the amusement park is uh, is a nice kind of full, cir- full circle touch. I don't know if we got a lot of Tom Hooper in there. <laughs> It was mostly the the horror of the Uncanny Valley of the Cats trailer as well. Yeah, so we just for. project that onto, onto, the uh, onto the creature. Yes, where it's like Tom, oh, Tom Holland in a green body suit. Something's not quite right. And it's they a just have these scales on it. <laughs> yeah, disproportional face. Somehow he's got to be living in a disproportional world where he can hold knife and fork at a weird table. <laughs> the trailer's so creepy. All right, so that's it for this year, but we can save a lot of this stuff for the future. <laughs> that's really good. I'm impressed with these lists. There's a lot of stuff on these lists, guys. Yeah. I was heartbroken that we didn't have Worm That Crawls Into Your Ear. Uh, <laughs> under the supernatural something or other. If we'd rolled a uh, a number one, that would have been Worm That Crawls I, Into Your Ear. I, I should throw out... Um, so before we had started making these lists and the plan for the dice, I had been workshopping in my head, you know, just like pitches to throw out there i want to share one with you guys real quick sure sure it's it's zombies and it's in a close like a library after hours but it's the library of alexandria and so the people who are trapped the last one has to burn it down oh interesting and so you got ancient greece with the zombies and and it's a metaphor for how knowledge and information can <laughs> poison people and turn them into your enemies false information or something like that yeah i was just saying let's not go with real facts <laughs> hurting people in here. <laughs> yeah, it's about how learning totally messes you up and turns you into a monster education <laughs> fake <laughs> news <laughs> 
but how like but like fear mongering and false information can yeah like get people into pretty dangerous territory and it can be contagious yeah i, I like yeah, i like, I like that. It. It is fantasy and, it never happens <laughs> nobody's really become hard dangerous to... because of misinformation ever <laughs> Um, the the one that I was kind of hoping would come up in terms of a uh, creative voice, uh, we I had as a pairing Hugh Jackman and Leslie Odom Jr. <laughs> oh, that should be for music. Yeah, yeah, that would have to be with a musical. <laughs> well, they're the uh, the the Wolfman and the Vampire. Oh yeah, they're the Wolfman and the Vampire. <laughs> we can start plugging these in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Todd Peterson and Todd Mack, for joining us on this episode. Thank you, listeners, for downloading this. Uh, for show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to go check back our, uh, check out our previous four Halloween specials, uh, and you can reach out to us by emailing feedback at ProtagonistPodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow at ProtagonistPodcast.com pod or at Jadorowski and our producer Andrew is at Diz Minute and our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast guys do you have anything you want to plug mm, uh, no <laughs> nothing really you, can, you, uh, your book? you want to mention your book again <laughs> I, yeah I've got my book from uh, a little while how long ago was it last year um, it needs to look like we tried it's still out there and chugging along and I just sent uh, a manuscript forward uh, to my editor, and uh, so that's a uh, wait and see. <laughs> a little tease there. <laughs> if you want to find out what's happening, just I'm on Twitter at, at Todd Peterson, double D S E N. And uh, if anything happens, uh, that's where I'll probably shout it first. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us, and thank you, listeners. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this and week... Todd Mack. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Ah. Oh, oh, the rhythm's off. Don't man. Sorry. It's, I'm just reading the script. Yeah, you're right. You're you right. don't want me... No, you no, don't want me, though. That's you, fine. I want you in. I want us to always be tricking our listeners that you're just back. <laughs>